Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello, After Buzz Nation, and welcome back to your Outcast After Show. We are talking about the penultimate episode this week, that is episode 9, Close to Home. I may not be the devil, but this episode punched me in the face with emotions. Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. So... So, uh, that was, that was something. I've been waiting for this moment a long time as a comic book reader. This is it. I was like, bring on this moment. And it happens differently, but no less, like, soul-fulfilling. That's quite a tease. What moment are we talking about? You're going to have to stay tuned to find out. I am Lex Michael. All of our social media at the Lex Michael. Thank you for joining us with me. As always, are... I'm Lucretia Lyon, and you guys can always find me at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N, anywhere on the internet, since there is only one. Hey guys, I'm Joelle Monique, and you can find me everywhere at Joelle Monique. Hello everyone, I'm Abby Vega, and you can find me at underscore Abby Vega. Okay, so let's let's just jump right in. Let's oh, not bear the yeah. at all. That, that was dark. It was crazy. Real dark. That yeah, was super and I made dark. it worse by the, <laughs> yeah, the song. song. <laughs> so obviously, the moment that we have been stealing ourselves up for all season has finally come to pass. Yeah, they got Megan. Yeah. They got me, and then Megan got Mark. <laughs> she really got Mark. <laughs> Yikes! So I guess we'll we'll work backwards a little bit, but of course it makes sense, and we've been talking about this as something that we assumed was going to happen for for most of the season. Now it felt. Not to me, not predictable so much as logical and inevitable that the story mm-hmm. was going to have to go here. But before we just pick it apart into little pieces that we can we can examine from multiple angles, you know, like we do, how did this episode play for you guys, and how did that ending affect you? Did it was it the gut punch that it was for me? Like how did it play for you guys? Yeah, and. You say that, yeah, obviously we've been predicting this, but for me, it still seemed so shocking. I I still couldn't believe that it happened, even though we had kind of been saying that since day one, that someone close to Kyle was going to become possessed, and Megan was obviously the perfect target. But I was still so surprised when it happened, because, you know, the rest of the episode, like, they have their nice moment, the family, everything. And I saw someone actually mentioned in the chat how... Right when Kyle and Mark started, Mark started opening up to Kyle. This happens too, so it was just all around very gut wrenching. I think we have to commend the creative team in the build up to that moment. The fact that we learn just recently, kind of the the agency of these things and how you know they just fall into a body; they don't get to choose where they land. And so, having known all the stuff that we know about them so far, and then to see it actually happen, to see one drop right into her, and then that like scream in the shower. I think just the way they explained it, the way it came out, I thought it was very successful. Yeah, to me, it's just, I was not at all surprised that it picked Megan and that um, this happened to her. What was so shocking is what happened after, to Mm -hmm. me. And as I said earlier, it's 
It took The Walking Dead five seasons to get that dark. <laughs> We're not even done with season one yet. And it's like, oh, man. And By that I dark, just, you mean attacking, like, children? Oh, yeah, or, you know, and the thing is, is also killing off, you know, a character after such a happy moment like that. But I knew. I was like, oh, I know you, Robert. Go I did it. Well, are you talking about the moment where yeah. it's revealed that Megan is pregnant again? Yeah, and yeah she's pregnant, and then they, she's like, it's okay, you know, you lost your job, we're going to work out this thing. Oh, had this beautiful yeah. moment oh, between yeah. the two of them where it's like, we're going to make this work, this is a chance for us to have a fresh start with a new baby, and we can put, you know, new terms, new, new beginning for our family. And it was right about that moment where I started to go, oh, oh but, See, yeah, I, I did it. it. That was oh, me. No. Yeah, I, I did not. You can never get comfortable. Gripping. I am so naive yeah. because I was just like, oh, that was so great. You know, <laughs> I did not even get a little suspicious when it was such a great moment. And you know, he had a job interview after his whole job dilemma. On that part, I literally rolled my eyes. I was like, no one's making it out alive. Oh, <laughs> guys, I was not. I was not expecting yeah, it at all. To me, all I was expecting was for her to get possessed right after that. I did not expect her to bash his head into the bathroom mirror. So I was like, I wanted Whoa. to ask you guys specifically about the way that scene was staged and executed. Has anyone else on this panel, or is it just me, have any of you guys watched Twin Peaks? Oh, yeah, I no. have. Okay, <laughs> so if you've watched Twin Peaks, and I'm not going to go into spoilers, because especially with the show coming back... I don't want to give anything away if people are going to be be catching up, but the staging of this scene was almost identical, save for the presence of one additional body. Uh, you know, Mark is in the scene as well, but it's almost identical to the final scene of Twin Peaks. Oh, Possessed yeah. body, the mirror, the face smashing against the mirror, and I'm watching this the whole time going like, hey guys, I like that show too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, Robert Kirkman's got to be a fan. I mean, that pretty much sparked everything after it, like X-Files and things like that. I mean, everything was... And this, there, you could argue that there almost is no... X Files of Twin Peaks isn't so successful, and you see, mm-hmm. you see Glenn that. Morgan told us that. And you, right, <laughs> yeah. you see that. That right. It's like you can you can argue because the guy said so. Yeah. Uh, but you see that DNA obviously in this show, and they're they're no uh, they're not shy about throwing in little Easter eggs about what their references and influences. You see, Kyle has the X Files poster in his oh, room yeah, at the beginning I of believe. the season. So I have to assume that this is at least slightly intentional because it is so, so close as far as the way it is staged, uh, both the content of the scene and the physical staging of the bodies, like the actual blocking. But then the other thing that i got to comment on, because we don't talk about it enough, is how phenomenal Ren Schmidt is as Megan mm-hmm. and how tremendously she played that transition. It was oh. lightning fast. It was the quickest thing I've ever seen. And then, like... Her, like, emerging out of the tub of just, like, full-on beast mode, I was like, oh, she came to play. And then, like, even the playing and the blood and the kind of experimenting, I really picked up what uh, Chief was saying earlier about, you know, everything is new to them. All of it. It's completely new. And you really got that sense from her as she's killing her husband. I thought she was going to bash her own head into the mirror. Yeah, well. Yeah. I didn't think that she was going to bash his head into the mirror. And yeah, like those first days, they say are the most treacherous. Mm-hmm. The minute oh. it happened, I was like, "Everyone, stay away!" <laughs> but it literally, like, look, it takes a lot at this point, whether it's in TV or a movie, not even to scare me necessarily, but to really profoundly disturb me. Mm-hmm. A lot I've seen enough now, and like I'm jaded enough as an audience <laughs> member, where it's a little bit like it's like almost like the harder that somebody tries, it just feels like they're trying really yeah. hard to disturb me, and it's like I applaud the effort, but it doesn't do much to move me. I was 
genuinely and deeply disturbed watching the way Renschmidt played that scene. That how how new everything was, everything physical, the, especially the playing in the blood. Really, mm-hmm. like that just freaked me out. Yeah, that was creepy. But yeah, the mint, like you know, as soon as she comes into the it comes into her body and she just screams in the shower because she doesn't know what water is, what is going on. It's hot, and then the way she looked at herself in the mirror was just like amazing and it was so perfectly creepy how about if she's pulling that shard of glass out of his neck i know just like experimenting of like what's gonna happen next yeah i it was perfect it was it was creepy and unnerving and the lead in for that to be the lead into the phone call oh my gosh just the two little girls crying and you're just like oh they're trapped and this is exactly what kyle's been trying to avoid Day, since day one, yep. this is exactly what he's been trying to avoid. So right at the finale, we're going to have him facing literally all of his biggest fears. His wife is out of commission. Like, poor Kyle. Poor Kyle. And it almost does. <laughs> it's like, it's, have we explored the idea anywhere in, in culture, in literature, that maybe just having a terrible life is something you can inherit genetically? Because, <laughs> because it seems like Amber is is on the same path. <laughs> But starting even earlier, which is just such a bummer for her. I do Mm -hmm. want to touch on something that just came up in the live chat. Um, Adam Anderson asked a question that's something that I've been pondering, and I wanted to know what your guys' take on it was. He asked, does emotional turmoil have anything to do with how susceptible you are to being possessed? And I wanted to ask you guys, I have a a reading of that based on what they've shown us in the series, but I wanted to ask you guys if you had a reading and if so, what that was. Yeah, to me, I think it... There is a sense of vulnerability that does have to coincide because when you look at all the people, whether it be the really young, like, uh, you know, our first victim or the, you know, older, more like that's the thing is I feel like Kyle's mom may have had an underlying mental illness or something, you know, then this then possessed her. You know, she wasn't as bad. But also with Sydney, he was a child molester. Mm-hmm. Or you see, I mean, the only person we don't have a read on that is Ogden's wife. But as he said, he likes this version better. So maybe she was very emotional and fragile. Then. Sure. Yeah. And Allison for sure. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm of the opinion that it's completely random and that we are just seeing exacerbated demons kind of being unearthed once possession takes place. I I I think everybody's got like emotional trauma and baggage to a certain degree. I don't know. If, I mean, Kyle obviously is mm-hmm. doing circumstances, uh, and some of the other characters have kind of. But like, one was just a granny. Like, she's just you know not the warmest person, but not terrible to, for all accounts of her so far. So I I just think it's random. Yeah, I agree with that side of it because with Allison too is because Allison was happy with Kyle before, right? Before as she got possessed, know, yeah. yeah. Before, so I, I mean, I always just took it as it's completely random. Because with, um, oh my gosh, what is the granny's name? Mildred. Mildred. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mildred. You know what I mean? I just think it's random, but I don't know. I could be wrong. Oh no, go ahead. I was just gonna say Mildred also fits in because a lot of diseases, you know, for example, affect the really young or the really old, like the children and the yeah. elderly. And then again, you know, you feel like Allison and Kyle's mom are connected to him, so that's a possibility as well. But yeah, also. They, you know, seem to be very emotional as well, and that's probably what's attracting someone like Kyle to them 
Yeah, yeah, so I want to piggyback on what you just said. I think, I mean, we have enough text that we know that it is essentially they just drop in a random, but if you think about it like like Lucretia, you just said, like, you know, if, if it's uh, an immune system, diseases tend to hit the very young and the very old the hardest, people with weaker immune systems, right? So uh, my reading of it based on Megan's journey specifically mm-hmm. is we're watching somebody who is could be a target the same as anybody else, but it's a perfect storm of elements. She's very close to Kyle, mm-hmm. and we also watch over the course of the season how her, let's say, the immune system of the soul, if you will, is continually eroded just further and further and further until, you know, we get to the opening of this episode and we see her... She's she's breaking. I mean, we see we're watching a, a mental emotional break as she you know she picks up a piece of the glass that she broke and she's squeezing it in her hand. I think we have in Megan this perfect storm of elements where yeah we watch her her soul's immune system weaken to the point where she is just an easy easy target for this. You have yeah. to wonder if it's like surroundings too because we get that with Reverend Anderson as well. But because he's, I think, been interacting so much with the possessed, whether he's had an effect or not, we're still not sure. We know they're afraid of him, and he might be a little bit dangerous to them. We're not sure how yet. But we definitely see that crumbling soul you were talking about just deteriorating pretty quickly. And even into this episode, as he's slapping around other people's kids and stuff. Dude, oh, all right. Don't so even let's, get, oh, let's, <laughs> let's, let's go with back him. and let's talk about... Reverend Anderson's continuing journey <laughs> towards implosion. Yeah. Um, like, he doesn't, at this point, he doesn't need Sydney to un- undo him. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, he's doing a fine job of it himself, it would seem. Yeah, yeah I love the scene with him and Patricia. And, you know, she just pretty much is like, you need to get your shit together. I love that line. And it really, like, that's why it's so sad later in the episode how that turns out. But yeah, and then also, he was very clear-headed then, as he was with Chief Giles. To me, I actually was surprised he went that dark with her son, considering he's like, yeah, I know that's exactly what Sydney was doing, but I just wanted to, you know, when do you get a chance to punch the devil right in the face? Like, right. I love that line. Yeah. yeah, it's, so, right off the bat, though, he's talking to Patricia, and there are a lot of just weird, interesting layers to this relationship, none of which, to me, appear healthy. Um, right off the bat, like, they have this exchange about, you know, what, he talks about his son and what his he thinks his son might have thought about the way he, he had that public outburst. Mm-hmm. And then Patricia has that line about, oh, he'd say, what I'm saying is you need to get your shit together. She yeah. says it lovingly. And then she goes, I want you to move in with me. <laughs> and I go, what? I know. <laughs> you want him to do what? Why? This is a very dysfunctional town full of very, you know, emotionally disturbed people. <laughs> yeah, and her reasoning was so weird. Yeah. She's like, I want a sense of normalcy. That Wasn't that the only reasoning she gave? With with pentagram chest? You yeah, want a sense that's, of like, that's not very normal. Like, and I, moving in that kid. quick. I'm also wondering what is kind of up with Patricia. Like, we seem very, like, from, like, Vixen and kind of the first couple episodes where she's trying to, like, bed the reverend to concerned very loving and devoted mother to like not really caring that much and trying to be like she's just swinging drastically like a pendulum I, I just don't know why I don't know what makes her tick and I'm very interested to see hopefully next season if we get more of her yeah because to me her son sort of explains it when you know that's in- exactly why I Sydney seems to be not so much psychic to me but know a lot more of what's going on than we're led to believe he's probably watching these people because I believe that's exactly why he's using her son even though he pursued him 
But it's just a matter of he knows what buttons to push with this family because, as her son says, it, she was abused as well as him by her husband. And that's why she was looking to someone like Reverend Anderson, who seemingly is a man of God, you know, not going to do that. And then that's he why he pushed the envelope <laughs> and got, you know, him to grab her son. I mean, he lashed out at yeah. an entire community, like completely yeah. lost his marbles in front of everybody. It just, I mean, now I kind of feel bad for her son because, like, maybe his yelling was not, uh, uh, Not coming from a teenage, evil. like, evil. <laughs> he's messed yeah. up, but maybe there's a firm reason why he's messed well, up. Well, he also, he says it. He explicitly says it mm-hmm. after that scene where, and again, it's it's like, Patricia, come now. Sidebar. Because because of the nature of this show and the nature of the malevolent forces at play, it's hard to know until we get to the end of the story if this is inconsistent characterization mm-hmm. or if it's demonic possession mm-hmm. it could be either could be both mm-hmm. but uh there is that moment where Aaron the the boy outside after uh, Anderson gets a little too physical says to him you know well my dad used to beat up on me and my mom so i guess you're not coming around anymore and it's like oh well yeah, no wonder but this kid is not so creepily and happy. Yeah, oh, exactly. he's definitely doing. He's he's uh, twisting the knife for sure. But it's also like, well, okay, you're you are a victim and you're a kid, and so it's no wonder that you're angry and lashing out. But and- stop it. Yeah, I mean, maybe don't, like, make a deal with the devil right away. Like, get some, like, street cred first before you dive head first. This guy could easily devour you whole. It'll be interesting to me to see how much further he takes this and how much uh, Sydney really needs him. Obviously, Sydney doesn't need him at all, but I'm wondering to what use he'll become to Sydney. Yeah, to me, Sydney obviously was using him intentionally to hurt Reverend Anderson, mm-hmm. since that seems to be, you know, his goal here is to make him look crazy when he's actually the one that's probably right about all of this. But yeah, I don't know how much they've researched psychopathy and things like that, but one would say, you know, a nature or nurture versus thing with Aaron is this kid seems really evil and some people might dismiss being abused and watching his mother be abused but actually that doesn't have a lot to do with psychopathy in the world of psychology and this this kid is actually like you know if you, uh, uh, wetting the bed and uh, fire away from being you know the McDonald triad <laughs> <laughs> but it could so so okay so then but based based on that that argument of that line of thinking do you think it would it could potentially put a young person in a place of enough anger without a place to put that anger that they would be like we were talking about before they would be that much more susceptible to i mean not even demonic manipulation manipulation period but certainly in this case manipulation of the most sinister and insidious kind to me i don't feel like i feel like sydney is sort of manipulating him but to me with Aaron he went after him mm-hmm. he wants to be a part of this because there was a point where even Sydney didn't want him around mm-hmm. probably because of the feelings that you know who he was before is coming out but it was almost like he wants this and so I don't feel like he's some manipulated you know child he is fully aware of what's going on that's why I say like you know he certainly fits a true psychopath so then if that's true because I agree mm-hmm. it all that all tracks with what we've been seeing Unless Patricia herself is also somehow directly involved in all of these horrible, horrible things going on, that would then arguably put her pretty high in the running for worst life in the town of Rome. Because on the one hand, she's got this terrible, terrible child that she has to contend with. And on the other hand, she's apparently so lonely and so feels so adrift and without grounding that 
She actually wants to commit hard to the dude who blows up in public, who, like, interrupts deacons' meetings and punches people in the face, and it's not He's like... kind of been excommunicated from the entire... No. Not just his church, but from the entire community. And it's not like this is brand new... Like, when he gets into this altercation with Aaron, like, yes... That's definitely a line because that's her son. That is a line that is very, very different than any other line he could walk up to or cross. But it's not like this type of behavior is new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because to me, she was on Reverend's side until he grabbed her son. No, that and, was but they knew. Yeah, exactly. That was like, the light uh, go out of her eyes right away. Like, she was like, picked another winner. Oh yeah. Who I, does he think he is? It's like, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like come on. Like, mm-hmm. what makes you think that you can do that and she's gonna be okay with it? But I do have to say, was, I, I had a little bit of pride because I written Reverend Anderson pretty hard this whole time because I think he's selfish and mean and kind of arrogant. Um, but he tells <laughs> I do. But he tells Kyle, he's, he fesses yeah. up to his feelings finally and he was like, I'm jealous so of you. Good. And I was like, finally we get a true and honest moment from you. I do like that when he, he goes to Patricia in the last episode because he's got nowhere else to go. <laughs> and I love that when that evaporates... He goes back to Kyle. Oh. I really genuinely enjoy that because even though the last time they saw each other, they were literally hitting each other in the face, there's no nobody else understands. Well, and to me, it's been a flip in their character dynamic. Uh, you know, that's where Kyle started out. You know, no one to turn to, you know, so he and Reverend Anderson are doing this together since they've got this little mission but, yeah, now the roles have been flipped. And it's really interesting to see how that changed just in the course of nine episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And we see, too, that Kyle has started to, very early going still, but he started to put relationships back into place. And he started to, like, he still has a very weird, pseudo-contentious relationship with, say, Giles. Mm-hmm. But even that... They're closer now to an understanding than they were, and it seems like even that, as an example, there is an increasing alienation. Like, Giles, he says, you know, very, very fiercely to Sydney, he makes this assertion again that he's like, I'm going to stick by my friends and you don't mess with them. But the further out there that, that Reverend Anderson goes, the less and less able, I think, Giles would, would be to help him in any significant way. So watching that flip happen, yeah, is, is interesting because it does. It's a weird uh, reversal of their dynamic, but uh, in terms of Kyle putting relationships back together, wanted to talk about him and what we spend most of our time with him this episode doing, which is exactly that, trying to create a sense of stability for Amber by asking Megan to enroll her in school, and like, man, she made three new friends at school Aww. already, so fast. She's so, so cute. Sweet. He's a likable yeah. kid, man. This poor child. <laughs> She's so precocious. <laughs> right? And then, you know, the the stuff about Megan calling out sick, and then obviously leads to the possession, but then we see that Kyle and Mark are connecting, and Mark helps Kyle break into Allison's house. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, I did, too. Yeah. He's like, this is why it's nice not to be a cop, cop anymore <laughs> after he breaks in the house. <laughs> Which is a, a, a cute line, slightly weird logic, because yeah. the implication <laughs> of that logic is, well, I'm not a cop, so I'm, I'm a criminal I'm good, I'm breaking the houses. The perk of not being a cop is that you can break into people's houses wantonly. But of course, Allison's not there. But Kyle does run into her mother. Awkward. Yeah, that was super awkward. Mm-hmm. Super duper awkward. But she does point him in the right direction. But she knows now. Like uh, Allison was apparently lucid enough to convey that this isn't Kyle's fault. Kyle wasn't the one that hurt them. She's not afraid of Kyle. She's afraid of herself. But of course, the mother still blames Kyle. Sure. Kyle goes to this psychiatric care facility where Allison is, and we get this moment where he goes to the the nurse that's at the desk, 
and he asked to see her. And of course, you know, the nurse says, well, we can't just let anybody in. And he, he does it very genuine, this uh, emotional plea to be let in, to have even just a couple of minutes with Allison. And it works. And what I found myself thinking, just a picture of Dale Cooper from Twin Peaks popped up on the screen. I've here always had an uh, abnormal attraction to Al McClanahan because of that. <laughs> so so Kyle, Kyle gives this impassioned plea. And it works, and I found myself flashing back to earlier in the season when Megan was trying to get to Donnie's room and very quickly was able to talk to the person at the desk and get in. And I'm wondering why none of the administrative desk people in the Outcast universe do their Job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really. Do like a quick background yeah. check to see, like, are you estranged from her? Is there any well, like Maybe, oh, maybe this isn't meant to be our universe. This is an alternate universe <laughs> where not only is demonic possession a thing, but also like front desk positions are a relatively new <laughs> phenomenon, and they're still working out. Like they're in the beta version right now, and they still have to work out. Like, well, when are we supposed to let somebody back? Nobody told me. As There's no list. Who often sits at the front? of buildings letting people in or not in uh, a plea like that might just be like I don't have time like go answer <laughs> you're clearly tired and I can tell from your this energy that you're not BSing me so go see your wife or whatever I don't have time like this is I can't take care of this man who just collapses into emotions in my lobby <laughs> I don't have the energy for that yeah and someone who's from you know a small town very mm. similar to Rome uh, you know demonic possessions and things like that it's just the norm <laughs> but yeah like these front desk people they're just they're a good old boy system mm. you know it's not like you know living in the big city where you are suspicious of everyone you know you believe what people say and they're just like okay yeah come on in Sure, I guess, I guess it's just having seen a version of that earlier in the season where it's like, oh, that was easy. Huh. And to see it again, I was just like, well, that's interesting. And the wonder- hotel clerk who was like, sure, you can, I'll let you know which room number he's in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ma'am, that's terrifying. Please don't do that for everybody. I you shouldn't th- do it for her. I hope they at least looked at his ID, like in the cut, like before, <laughs> before we see him walk down the hall. I really hope that they didn't just say, yeah, go talk to our psych patients for sure. Yeah, Amy Motorhouse in the chat says, Athens and psych houses are one step away from their patients. And as someone who once went on a field trip to one, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> maybe maybe there's like a, an element of, well, he's not going to make them more crazy, I guess. I don't know. I just, it's, yeah. It struck me as odd. Yeah. But okay, we need it to happen yeah. so that he can have... We need he needed to, to get in there. That's the thing. It's like it felt like one of those things that, that exists only because we need to get <laughs> Kyle into the building so that he can actually have this conversation with Allison, which I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I thought was really nice. He finally gets to be open. Like, it's heartbreaking, but he finally gets to be open with her. Yeah, to me, that scene was, yeah, as you say, very heartbreaking, but it was also sort of a closure. That's why I really worry about what's going to happen with Allison, because it was a very final scene to me of them. The way that she kissed him goodbye, it's just like, what is going to happen here? And now we've established that this hospital isn't too intense with their oversight of things that are going on. (laughs) Yeah, Sydney can drop in. Like, I'm her grandfather. (laughs) Yeah, and you have to wonder how safe is she really... Because if you're another person, it's like, like, possession won't help you in a psych ward. Like, there's no amount of explaining. Like, there's another thing inside of me that a psych ward should be able to logically help you out with at this point. Everyone they're says not researched. that <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, I hope, I hope the demon has been exercised and is gone, as little Amber has told us. I doubt it. 
I doubt it. Poor Kyle's life's not that lucky. You don't think Al- you don't think Allison's demon is gone? No, Allison's is. Uh, oh. uh, uh, his wife's. No, Megan is his sister. Allison, his wife. Allison. No, I don't think it's gone. Uh. I think that she is still possessed because Kyle's not that lucky. No, <laughs> like, see, I got the. I like thought that she was she was demon free. She appears <laughs> to be, but I, we we're still not sure how these things work. Amber says she saw it leave, but how much of it left? We've seen. Like, it leave, and then people go into coma. She's the first one we've seen kind of get up and be able to walk around after it. I don't trust it. There is, I have now started going back and catching up on the comics, because we're not super far into it. And I'm just now at the point where I'm like 12 issues in, and it's exactly, exactly where we are in the show mm-hmm. right now. There is not much more information. Really, they're, they're not much further along in terms of reveals than we are. There's a little bit more information given hints as far as maybe the amount of time spent in a body could affect the state that they're left in, but nothing super conclusive. And again, that's, you know, that's in the comics. That's not in the show. You can't really treat that as text mm-hmm. for the show. Not necessarily canon. Yeah, to me, with Joshua, as we've always pointed out, to our knowledge, he's fine now. It was a quick possession, and Kyle got it out. Well, same thing with Allison. I mean, according to Amber, she saw it leave. We weren't really aware of how long it was in there, but it seemed like a very short period because Kyle stops her as she's well, trying to... Well, it has to be one of the early yeah. days, you know, because yeah. we know that those tend to be the most violent, mm-hmm. and we hadn't seen a lot of violence from her before. So we can assume that it was that same day, even. Yeah. I just don't buy that Kyle is so lucky <laughs> as to catch it first day exercise. I mean, maybe maybe the punishment for Kyle on this was like, now nah, your wife thinks she's crazy and she never gets better, which is also pretty awful. But my money is still on demonic possession. See, that's what I was going to say. I was like, he's still really not that lucky because at this point it seems as though, you said, it seemed like a very final scene mm-hmm. of Allison. And so I think I think the, the demon is out of her. But I mean, it's still a very unlucky situation. I'm nervous for how she, what she's going to do to herself. I think. Yeah, I think that's she's. What Kyle a, she really yeah. is. I think like a danger to herself. You, you see her. She's so broken and messed up. And the scene does feel. It does feel very much like you guys are saying. It feels like a goodbye scene. She doesn't. Yeah. She doesn't say the words, but she says she might as well when she says, "You need to be the one to take care of her daughter yeah. now. Not me. Not us. Has to be you." That's basically a goodbye without saying goodbye explicitly and it was like that was not not quite the gut punch that would come a couple scenes later (laughs) but that actually hurt like i Mm. thought that was crazy effective because we finally see this moment where they get to be real with each other and they get to be honest and kyle gets to finally talk to his wife about what's happening and it could very could for all we know could be the last time they ever see each other that's heavy it's very heavy. Yeah. And it's really sad, too, because I feel like even in this scene, you, you see how much love that they really do have for each other. And I oh. think that makes it even oh. harder because Kyle finally thought, you know, in the last episode when she came back, you know, I'm going to get my family back. And he kept saying, come back to our family. And he was kind of thinking things were going to get back. Well, obviously, that's not going to happen for Kyle. Mm. But it was, it was sad because you do see... A, like a, how much they loved each other and care for each other. And in Kyle's defense, Kyle doesn't know that he's the protagonist of a Robert Kirkman series. <laughs> so Kyle might be totally justified in thinking that things are gonna get better. He should have learned by now. Right. I'm sorry, you will never catch a break, ever. It's always gonna be hard. Right. You're just like Harry Potter. Your life doesn't get better. So uh, obviously then we get 
you know, Kyle talks to Anderson, then he gets that phone call, which is the, the devastating, the ending of the oh. episode, which is Aunt Megan oh. is sick like mommy. Everything's horrible for everybody. Uh, I wanted to circle around and talk about Mark a little bit, but it does seem a little bit to me like Mark is mostly in this episode to give us a bunch of moments that make us feel hopeful just so we can be all the more devastated. Yeah, never higher. trust yeah. it. Never trust it. I knew. I was like, oh, this happy moment. Someone's going to die. Oh, I actually thought guys. just she was going to get possessed and was going to have problems, but then I'm like, oh, no, they, they went there. They went And see, now the surprising thing for me... Yeah. Was that he wasn't thrown out a window, which is what happens yeah. in the comic book. Is that they kind of have a tussle. She actually attacks their daughter first in the comic. Yes. They have a tussle because he's trying to stop her. And she, in a rage, throws him out of a window and he dies that way. Breaks his neck on the pavement, right? Yeah. As so, a- so d- spoilers for the comics. I so, uh, I, haven't, I haven't gotten there. <laughs> I've gotten to the issue that I'm on and it, it is... This episode, it's with, with Megan getting possessed. The issue is called, I believe, Close to Home. Mm. Or that might have been the one just before the one I'm reading. But the the attack happens. He uh, gets attacked by Megan after she attacks their daughter. But he survives that initial attack, and he goes to Kyle mm. to get Kyle involved. And Kyle recruits Anderson. There's some weird... We can talk about this more elsewhere in a different conversation, but there's some weird, you know, obviously time collapse and expansion as far as when they adapted the, the comics for TV. Yeah. But... Mark, it's a series of moments. If it was if it was any one thing, even something as big as Megan's pregnant again, I might not have gone, oh, something something absolutely horrible is about to happen. But it's that plus, hey, you know, he got he got suspended and that's a bummer. But you know what? He's got a job interview tomorrow. Yeah. It's, things are looking up. I'm connecting with Kyle. So, like, that's going to bring our whole family even further together. This is good. And now he's probably dead. And, of course, that yeah. was... was, was and then after all of that, it's like the pregnancy scene. It's like, all right, this is they're they're just like wiping the coffin off now for us is what they're doing. Yeah, and I mean to show it in such an intimate way, like for <laughs> for husband to like run into the like the bathroom and be like, "What's wrong? Are you okay?" It was just scary. Accidents happen in the bathroom and in the kitchen in the home. It could have been very bad. Is it scalding hot water? Did you slip and fall? Have you cut yourself? Like, what's going on? And then you'd be like, "Okay, you're not you." Oh. You're staring in the mirror. And then just, oh, killing me. And those shards of glass are so huge in his neck. I know. And he's, like, begging for help. And it's so... It's that just, was, yeah, so Just awful. for her to be, like, naked and completely, you know, usually if a woman is naked and it's on film, she's very vulnerable. Not here. She's no. just strong, but also not the person that we've grown to love. And something and you're, so disturbingly alien about it. And... Yeah, just disconnected. Like, there's just no... And he's so trying so hard to be like, where... Why are you like this? And it's just over. It's yeah, over cool. before it even begins. And so. lest anyone think that me pointing out that he does seem to be in this episode largely mm. to pull emotional mm. strings, mm-hmm. I am not criticizing it as manipulative. In fact, the contrary, I think it works surprisingly well. It works almost better than it should, considering how quickly I was able to pick up on the fact that that's what they were doing. Yeah, to me, it's just like, you see him so much that you know Doom is coming, but at the same time, it was completely logical and made total sense. It's just like, you know how nudity is often gratuitously used in shows, but the fact that Megan was naked in this just honestly fit so well as mm-hmm. to her rebirth. The, yes, yeah. exactly. The rebirth mm-hmm. thing, like almost like she was a totally new, like an infant mm-hmm. in this grown body, which was so. so I was like, that is a proper human, use of nudity. like superhuman mm-hmm. infant 
crushing <laughs> melon heads. Like, holy cow, what an entrance into the world. Um, <laughs> and now, and I like that we cut away instantly. Like, because of course, our first instinct is like, the girls, they're yeah. in the house. She said they could sleep over. Oh, God. Oh. And then they were just like, nope, just cut away from the house. What they, what they do is you hear the crash, right? And you mm-hmm. see Megan go, mm, like, mm-hmm. turn. Yeah. And then it cuts like, no, <laughs> no, go back, make her stop. <laughs> Like, while we're over here, she's back there doing awful things. No. Oh, nice. <laughs> it was definitely reminiscent of, like, the raptor scene in uh, uh, the first Jurassic Park. Oh, where yeah. the kids are, like, running away, and they're, like, trying to clean pans, and, like, they just, they had, the girls had no warning, though. They did not know Mommy was a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very much like any Friday the 13th. I mean, you could literally pick out of all of them whenever Jason hears a noise because just much like, you know, Jason Voorhees, Megan is a possessed, you know, entity that currently has no thoughts and feelings that we're aware of. Just must kill. (laughs) Where is this noise coming from? I actually thought, I don't know why I thought this, I thought that the girls were going to hear, like, the noise from her slamming his head and I was just imagining her walking in on her mom, like, playing in her dad's blood. That would have been dark. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but, man. I guess they could have done that and made it darker. That's maybe the one thing they could have done to make that even more. That's what I think that's going to happen. And now we know they'll just probably add that in the deleted scenes on the DVD. boy. And the camera just holds there for five minutes of an unbroken take of this little girl as tears just slowly start to fall. I think she'd have five minutes with her mom, though. I think think she'd be crushed in, like, a full minute. (laughs) And I'm wondering, like, are we going to open up next episode on them in a closet like, just kind of completing that circle of children hiding mm. in closets from their parents. Like, before we... Can we talk about Ogden and Kat? So that oh, is... Yeah. There is this whole other thing going this on. Crazy. In, this little, in this little pocket of the world that I have some questions about. Lots yeah. of questions. And I'm... Okay, I'm glad it's not just yeah. me. So many questions. I also... So I know that Sydney is, for all intents and purposes, the devil, but he's also <laughs> in a person body, and he can't, as far as we know... Teleport, right? Right. Yeah. He sure does get places super fast. <laughs> he does. He yeah. sure does get to his rest stop, which seems like it's meant to be way out on the highway, and then back to the deacon meeting real quick. Yeah. Unless we're meant to. Th- okay, we cut, but there's a big. There's like two days in between these two events. He gets around pretty quick. Yes, he does. Yeah, he's got like flu powder. <laughs> flu. So okay. So. Ogden and Kat are leaving, ostensibly to just have a new a new beginning. And Giles is actually going to let him go, as long as you're not causing trouble. It's like, we've been friends a long time. I'm not a big fan of this idea, but all right, I, I've known you long enough. I owe you this, I suppose. So they're going to go. And they make it out to this rest stop. And uh, they have this really cute exchange where you actually see what Ogden was talking about, about like how this this version of his wife and him, they actually seem to love each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. His blood pressure with the salt. And I was like, oh, that's... I'm going to get you an apple instead, honey. <laughs> it's like, this is really adorable until I remember what's actually going on. And then it's hyper disturbing, but really well played. And then she goes and Sydney's just... Okay, so Sydney's just chilling in the restroom at the rest stop, <laughs> I guess. And I, of course, he knew that she was showing up, right? Right? We're meant to know we that presume. he knew that she was... He wasn't just hanging yeah. out in his rest stop. It like, seemed like yeah. a meetup. Can you, can you, like, I'm imagining Sydney, the part of the scene that we didn't, like, we cut into the scene later, but Sydney just spending the day there, and then Cat enters, and he goes, oh, this is a lucky break. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's like, straightens up, he's like, Two yes. birds, one stone. It's like, I have a new job for you. <laughs> um, so he, he does have a new job. 
for Cat, which seems to have something to do with creepy abandoned mannequin warehouse. Yeah, I mean, where else do you put demons of a low level that have a a thing to do? Like, I mean, it happened to Ghostbusters. Like, (laughs) mannequins get possessed a lot. They're like human bodies, but, you know, without a soul already in them, it's less work. So, But my question is, did maybe, I felt like I missed something, or maybe it's information that they're intentionally withholding. What is what did what is going on here? Like what is I this was confused. Yeah. place? We don't happening? know yet. Is is my takeaway from it? Yeah, yeah. Because to me, it's just like the mannequins obviously probably have some significance, but maybe they just are doing it in this warehouse just to throw us off because we're like, oh, they might possess these mannequins so they don't bother people. But no, they may just be like, haha, made you look. <laughs> <laughs> Evil mannequin army. I'm ready for yeah. it, Robert. Gives me um, played by Kim Cattrall. <laughs> <laughs> It's like yes, please. It's like I laughed, and then I really thought about it for a second, and I laughed some more. That was good. Oh gosh, a mannequin was a movie starring Kim. Yeah, I think I wonder how how important it really is, and how important Cat perceives it to be. Because she hasn't, at least so far, seemed to rank pretty high. She's like a low level general. Like she makes sure like everyone gets issued in the correct form. Like don't get yourself caught up with family. Like come here. Freak out, come down, and then we'll reintroduce you to the world, and you'll be safe. Which I guess has started building this army slowly. So now, I guess, whatever the natural next step in their takeover, but we don't know much about their takeover, so it's kind of hard to guess. What Are they going to be helping more of these things come in? Is the, this a bigger hideout? The mannequin warehouse creepy place is where <laughs> is where they build the device that shoots the laser into the sky and opens the portal, like, ah! in, like in all the superhero movies. Yes! Totally. Again, Ghostbusters. Yep. And that's when Sydney's alien army comes through and I love it. Yeah, and he like swings an infinity stone around and everyone's yeah. confused, but it's awesome. It sounds amazing. Aliens sound way better than what <laughs> so, this might be. <laughs> but so we don't get a sense really of what this job is. We don't even really know. I mean, look, it's the second to last episode of the season, so you would assume that if it's in there, it's important. Oh yeah. This is an important job. But it's also you know, Kat, you, you, uh, Joel, you just referred to Kat as maybe being like a uh, mid to low level general, mm. right? So she's just following orders from Sydney, but she says to Ogden, Ogden's like, "This is why can't anybody else do this? You know, this why can't we just go? You and me, we go do our thing." And and Kat's like, "Well, there is no you and me without this." How? Do, okay, phrase it this way: How did you guys read that? Because I feel like there is a ton that you could unpack. What I took away from that is Kat is like, "I love you because I need you." Not I love you unconditionally, no matter what, you're my husband. It's like, you play really well into all of my plans. And if we don't have this, I could easily walk away from you and find someone who will help me achieve whatever my goals are. And I think that Ogden is so into this relationship that he'll kind of do whatever Kat mm-hmm. suggests. Like, it doesn't take seem to take a lot of pushing or pulling to get him to fall in line. Hmm. How did you get it very differently, didn't you? So, um, because there are so many different ways that I think are based on the very limited information that we have, I think are equally valid readings of it. But I'm going, okay, so obviously this job's important enough that however much he does or does not love Ogden, this job's more important than he is. Okay, mm. is it important because it's this specific job? Is it more important because Sydney could have given any order and any order from Sydney is more important? Or... They're all talking about the merger, and we get little context clues. We still don't know really what that is, but little context clues over the course of the season, like things that Mildred say, said, things that Mildred say? Nope. (laughs) 
taking it back, doing it again. Things that Mildred said, specifically things like her being concerned that she's not going to survive the merger, for example, makes it seem like whatever this thing is that's coming is real bad for us, but it could also potentially be bad for some of these possessing entities. So maybe this crazy tinfoil hat theory, perhaps... (laughs) But could it be that part of this job, part of this thing that she was assigned to, is facilitating a process by which more of them, most of them, if not all of them, are able to survive this merger? Which would mean that that statement, without this, there is no me and you, is literal. Because it's like, without this, whatever this job is that we don't know anything about... I may just cease to exist completely. Oh. Yeah, that's what I took it as. Really? Is that yeah, this whole situation that. was really more about her surviving and being who she was, you know, and that this job was given to her to help facilitate other people. And yeah, that's what I took because she does seem to genuinely care about him. So I didn't think it was too sinister. And Kat yeah, seems she, to be playing a yeah. very long game for me. So I'm not sure I'm convinced that she cares for Ogden the way Ogden cares for her. I I really feel like. He was a really great shepherd into this world, but she seems to be ambitious to me. From the little that we've seen of her, I get I get power hungry. And I think that at any point, if Ogden comes in contradiction of that search for power, she will take him down. Um, without a second thought, I think that she's played her cards. Everybody owes her a favor. Anyone that she helped reintroduce into the world owes her something. That's true, and they were both involved in helping these people transition, so that's true, and that's something that we haven't really explored beyond what Ogden's take on it is. We haven't really explored what the potential impact of them helping these people transition is, and I'm curious to see if we do that, and see, now we're starting to tiptoe towards predictions, so why don't we just jump in? Yeah, let's jump into predictions. And now, you're after Buzz TV. That sound is the sound that the laser is going to make <laughs> when it opens the sky portal and, the lets, mouth. and lets the aliens in. I love it. I love it. Predictions. Uh, well, I, since we were just speaking of Ogden, <laughs> I, for some reason, I feel like this is not a good situation for him to nope. be in. Nope. Like, why? Is, you know what I mean? Like, why you does... Feel, you feel for no. some reason no. this is not a good situation? <laughs> but, like... For real, like what makes him think that him being the only person helping all of these mm. demons is going to work out in his favor? He's kind of seemed to like get away with it this far, and he's fine. But no good is coming from this for him. And, I feel like huh. he thinks he might be like uh, the hunchback to like Doctor Frankenstein, or I know Dracula has like a little side creature whose name I cannot remember. Renfield. Thank you. That's like one. a Renfield <laughs> moment, like where he's like they'll like me enough and I can interact enough with everybody they'll, they'll keep me around like I'll be protected yeah. I think it's a dumb plan I agree that's with what I, think. I don't think it work but and, I think that's his fault and I also think he's just like so sucked into how much he's loving this version mm. of her that he's not even really thinking about the rest of it at the moment and obviously he's very easily persuaded by her and distracted like right. he was like gung-ho about getting out and then all of a sudden she has to just touch a little bit and he's fine he's like okay we'll stay so i think bad things are coming from him i'm still really curious definitely now with megan being possessed i don't think donnie's out of the picture yet so i'm curious to how that's going to play into her and her being possessed yeah i feel like to to what you just said i feel like if anything positive is going to come out of megan being possessed it it might be wiping the slate clean of donnie yeah yeah i I, I, I hope donnie shows up yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> I just wish and hope that Johnny shows up so she can bash his face in. It'd be very soothing for us and it'd make everything kind of worthwhile. Like, yeah, he had to go, but look, now Johnny's dead too. So it's really a new start for Megan. Um, I, I think, uh, very lame prediction, but we're going to get the team back together. Like, it's going to be time to ride or die. And I'm kind of hoping Giles joins us yeah. this yeah. time. Like, I, I feel like I'm ready for, like, some shotgun toting Giles to, like, <laughs> blast things away. Uh-huh. I'm hoping it's a little more... We've been really dark in our emotions. Like, I'm ready to see more punching, like, from the first episode. Like, let's punch kids in the face and, like, yes. get bloody. That's what we for next week. <laughs> yeah, to me, I do feel like Giles is going to join Reverend Anderson and Kyle because he's, he's already helping them. He already knows the situation. I mean, that's why he encouraged Ogden and Kyle to leave because he's like okay like she may be one of them but so far I don't see her being so dark and to me I still don't see that because I do feel like they're going to show us some people that are possessed that aren't completely evil but I feel like Ogden you know is like you said a Renfield sort of character that is expendable I don't see that coming from Cat, but Sydney I feel like he will mm. use him to put her in line if they start to stray away mm, interesting so the more I think about your guys' predictions and the more I think about laser portals in the sky, <laughs> I would not be mad if the finale was Anderson, Kyle, Giles, and maybe even Patricia strapping on proton Whoa. packs oh, yeah. and fighting these demons. It would, yes. would be amazing. Uh, I don't think that's what's going to happen, but I wouldn't be mad. I do think it would be a little weird if Giles doesn't get more involved in the action, specifically because we get two really specific pointed moments with him in in this episode, one of which is when he says to Sydney, you basically don't mess with my friends. Yeah. I told you mm-hmm. before, don't push me. I'm going to push back. And Giles I'm can't just be a watcher. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That, but... <laughs> Thank you. Uh, thank you. So also, also the, the the goodbye, and it's very early in the episode, the goodbye between Giles and Ogden, mm-hmm. where Ogden basically threatens him, where he mm-hmm. basically says, you know, you're you're getting involved in stuff you don't understand. Don't get too involved because that could be dangerous for you. They finally put that line in the sand and, like, they're on opposite sides. Would it now not be super weird to have taken the time to do that if Giles doesn't get more involved? Yeah. It would indeed. That, it would indeed. On a storytelling level, don't get, look, I would watch an hour every week of nothing but Reggie Kathy being tough and talking yes. smack to people. <laughs> I totally would. But why are those moments here? <laughs> <laughs> if not to set up greater involvement, I want to see it. I yeah. really, I want to see him finally get, get just jump headfirst into the battle against evil, hit people mm-hmm. in the face. Maybe use a shovel. Like yes. I want old school weapons, like a shovel and a shotgun, and maybe like Chainsaw. a chainsaw. Yes, yeah. yes, Look at That's the best one. Strap it to your hand, or where your hand used to, to be, because yes. it got possessed. <laughs> mm-hmm. And of course, whatever happens when Kyle and Anderson go to rescue. The, the little girls from the possessed Megan. I'm sure it's going to be harrowing. I'm very excited. We got one episode left. That's crazy. Woo! Next week is the finale. Time flew. I'm, I'm a wow. scared. I'm a scared. I'm, guys. I'm, scary. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really yeah. scared. So we are going to be back next week to talk about the finale of season one of Outcast. I'm looking forward to it. In the meantime, my wonderful. Oh, Thank you, Twin Peaks. Thank you. Thank you. Also, sidebar: Everybody go to Netflix and watch Twin Peaks. It's one of the greatest yeah, things I've that's ever been made. They are doing a revival by next people year. ever. 
until next week yes. when we reconvene to talk about not Twin Peaks, but the finale <laughs> of season one of Outcast. My wonderful panel, where can people find you guys online? Everyone can find me at underscore Abby Vega. Hey guys, I'm Joel Monique. You can find me everywhere on the internet at Joel Monique and every week at blackgirlnerds.com. And I'm Lucretia Lyons. You can find me anywhere at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N, since there is only one. And I am Lex Michael. All of our social media, at the Lex Michael. We're going to be back next week. We're going to see some stuff happen. <sighs> I'm excited. Join us then. Bye. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 